0: Hi, guys, and welcome to the Healthified podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has, for over 15 years, delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Before we get started, this episode of Healthified is brought to you by Gratified, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. We have an exciting new product, our Empower Bar Baking Mix, which comes in both original and now cacao, and it provides you the ability to make your own healthy nutrition bars at home. It's super easy and convenient with minimal ingredients. Ditch the traditional bars on the market that are loaded with sugar, unhealthy fats, and other inflammatory ingredients. Take back control of your health and blood sugar with our Empower Bar Baking Mix. And all of our products are made with real food ingredients and blood sugar balance in mind. For a discount off of our products, visit gratified.com and use the promo code Healthified at checkout. Today's guest is Wheezy Davenport, a holistic health coach, business owner a personal friend, and true believer in what it means to eat real, whole, colorful foods while supporting local and one's community through sustainable practices. Professionally trained as an elementary educator, she wed her passion for wellness education and became a certified health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. That experience made it abundantly clear that while many people want to eat healthy and support local farmers, they don't always enjoy cooking, much less have time for it. At the prompting of a few such clients, she began planning and creating healthy nutrient-dense meals for others and her meal delivery service Weezy's Colorful Kitchen was born. Today, she is supporting the local community and improving the health of others through nutritious and delicious meals. She is promoting a cleaner environment through sustainable practices such as reusable containers and composting, and she is helping to encourage real whole food nutrition by painting a colorful plate for others with thoughtfully sourced ingredients. In our conversation, we discuss how she became very immersed in the nutrition world when her family became the owners of her city's number one local Natural market and my favorite natural market, Ella Thompson's, and how that shaped her nutritional philosophy and career. Her path from getting certified as a holistic health coach to starting her own meal delivery service, the foods she offers, the ingredients she incorporates, and how she finds her recipe inspiration, the difference between local food and those more conventional or factory farmed options, and why the former is so much better for you, why sustainability, eating seasonally, and supporting local farmers are all so important, and what you can do today to adopt healthier practices. Her tips for healthy meal planning, grocery shopping, prep, and feeding your family. Let's head to our chat. Hi, Wheezy. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on the Healthified podcast. You have been on my short list of people I've wanted to talk to. So finally can
1: make it work. Well, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be doing this with you. Yeah.
0: So for those of you listening, this is Weezy Davenport. She is a holistic health coach and founder of Weezy's Colorful Kitchen, a meal delivery service focused on nutrient-dense foods. And her business goes a step further to support her community through sustainability practices and sourcing from local farms. And how I know Weezy is... Um, is because she actually dated my brother back in high school, but she is also the daughter of my favorite, um, local natural foods market, Elwood Thompson's. So such a gem in our community. And it's just been fun to kind of stay in touch with her, both being in the wellness world. And I'm excited to dive in and just get to know a little bit more about your path and what you're doing now with um, your meal delivery service. So on that note, if you could just tell us a little bit more about your story background and how you got to where you are.
1: Sure. Um, Well, I'll just start by giving you a brief explanation of the service. So Wheezy's Colorful Kitchen is a healthy meal delivery service, and I focus a lot on nutrient dense and locally sourced and seasonal meals, and I deliver those and prepare them in a sustainable way. And what that means is um, we utilize reusable glass containers to deliver all the meals And then we also compost all food scraps and recycle um, items that are in the kitchen. And this means we really are focusing on um, very low waste and getting away from all that single use plastic and styrofoam that you do see out there a lot in the meal delivery service um, world. Mm -hmm. So that's just um, kind of the basics of that. But my background is that I am from Richmond originally. I live now in Wilmington, North Carolina. And um, let's see, I grew up with Elwood Thompson. So when I was around in seventh grade, um, my father kind of fell into um, an existing business that was back then it was called City Market. And um, that was a time where the natural foods organic world was just kind of coming about, it really wasn't that glamorous back then. Um, I would definitely say I wasn't like super into it at first, but <laughs> um, you know, it was it, it just was a different feel. Like, the I remember my mom would go and get like natural colas and like crackers that tasted like cardboard, and I just you know, when you're in middle school, like you want to fit in, you don't want to be right. different from, uh, from other folks, so. I think I pushed back a little bit on it, but then that world really started to change. And then city market became out Thompson's and I really started embracing it more. And it just became so much of who I was and, um, the, like the core values that my dad, um, has really focused on with the business has ultimately really become my core values. But before I got to where I was now, I, um, so first I taught school, um, I'm trained as an educator in elementary education. So I taught second grade and third grade for a while. But um, when I became pregnant with my son, who is now 10, I knew that I enjoyed teaching, but I didn't love it. And so I knew I did not wanna probably return um, once he was born. So I decided to um, attend the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And, um, that's a certification I did online course as you did as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and with that, I started meeting with individuals who just had health goals that they wanted, um, you know, to help achieve. And so, uh, I did that for a while and really enjoyed it, but I still felt like I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with the kind of that health and wellness background. Um, and then one of my clients, who's actually also a friend, she really wanted to eat healthier. And I would keep giving her recipes and giving her advice. But she just kind of kept pushing back and said, you know, this is all great, but I have like twins, they're two years old. I'm super busy working mom. Like, is there any chance I can pay you to make healthy meals for me? And at first I was like, oh no, you got to do it yourself. But I realized, you know, it's something that I love to do. It's cook healthy meals and why not help her um, mm-hmm. with doing that? And so that was uh, that was like four years ago. Um, and then I pretty quickly picked up another good friend as a client, and then slowly um, kind of stopped seeing health coach clients, and really was just focusing on the meal delivery and made it legit, um, which just means I started cu- cooking out of a commercial kitchen about. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago. Um, So, and then I've just been, been doing all that ever since.
0: Yeah. And I just, I love hearing stories like yours because I feel as if when it comes to people's career path. um, And I think this is kind of a generational thing and and later generations and, and people around our age are getting better at releasing the shoulds and not necessarily staying in something if it doesn't bring them joy and kind of using the stepping stones of your story, if you will, to kind of bring together what you ideally want to be doing on a day-to-day basis. And it seems as if, you know, you've kind of pulled in from all of those different landing spots, if you will, from your path and are just basically doing something that, um, allows you to kind of like shine your brightest with all of your talents from education to natural food, to helping clients get healthier. Um, And so I want to talk a little bit more about that, but I want to back up even further kind of to your upbringing and um, more of your origin story. And the fact of, I love talking about food stories. And I think that our childhood um, and even into our teens and twenties really helped to shape our relationship with food. So it sounds like when you were in seventh grade and Elwood Thompson's became a part of your world, that's what kind of initiated your interest in healthy food. But it sounds as if your parents kind of already had that mindset while you were growing up previously. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, but only to kind of a certain extent. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think my, my mom's dad was really focused on like always giving my mom, like fresh, um, fresh fruits and vegetables, and so my mom was always put fruits and vegetables on the plate. But I mean, I would say early on when I was really young, like I was still eating. You know, I was asking for Doritos and yeah. asking for some of that junk food, and she was getting it. But it was definitely balanced. But it really did not shift until, till Elwood Thompsons came along. Um, and then I would say there was a shift in all of us. Um, and I mean, I saw a, a big shift with my father, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, they both try to eat um, very plant-based right now and vegan. And I mean, back in the day, and especially you know for our parents, like that generation, I think growing up it was like you know meat and potatoes exactly, and, and that's what he or both of them really ate a lot of. But I think what's was kind of cool is that I was able to watch them change their habits and their mindset a lot, um, from kind of middle school through high school, through college. And so it was, it was just a really, it's been, <clears throat> excuse me, a really cool experience for all three of us, um, mm-hmm. to learn about, about that world. Um, so yeah, it's been good.
0: Yeah. And especially kind of going against the grain, if you will, especially back then, um, and just staying kind of like rooted in that, but also kind of like being a student of it. Like, it's not as if your family went into it with just already being gung-ho, primarily plant-based. It was like, you kind of just evolved with what you were doing at the time. And I think that that is um, is important for people to hear that change is possible, especially when it comes to nutritious food, despite your upbringing. Right. It makes it. Definitely. Definitely. So where are you with your overall nutritional philosophy now? Um, and kind of ever since Elwa Thompson's, have you ever kind of like lost sight of that been caught up in any fad diets, et cetera, going to college, or have you kind of stayed rooted yourself in your solid foundation of healthy food?
1: No, I think that college, I, <laughs> I mean, I grew up with all of that, but I just, had a good time and enjoyed myself in college. So, which I mean, there's kind of a place for that too. I think, I think if I had been really strict and not enjoyed myself so much, then for me, I think I would have probably rebelled at some point. So I feel like I've had like in my twenties, I was not super healthy all the time. Um, but you know, I think that just kind of you learn, I think, and you had said this earlier, like over time, like you just kind of learn what is working best for you and best for your body. And it's, I think it's really important. You figure that out for yourself and not just get told exactly what to do or what to eat and, and do that. And I think you probably, you know, same way probably went through a lot of that. So.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm still going through it. You yeah, know, you well, just, totally.
1: <laughs> it's always a process, right? You've never like right. arrived. You just like, are always kind of figuring things out.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned something about your parents being very primarily plant based on the verge of vegan. Um, is that kind of where you are? Um, talk to us a little bit more. Um, and I know that with Weezy's Colorful Kitchen, it is very plant based. Is it vegan or do you incorporate yeah. animal? Play- okay, so
1: it's definitely not like meat is not the predominant part of the meals, but right. I so and this kind of answers your question too. I do eat meat but I only source it from farmers that I know so all of the the animal protein that's going into these meals is sourced locally and Mm -hmm. I know the farmers and I know exactly what their farming practices are and so um I'm very particular about that but I did go through a time in my life right before I had my son where I was I was pescatarian um Mm -hmm. and I and then I actually when I I lived in Honduras for a year and taught school in my twenties and, um, I decided I wanted to try vegan then as well. But mm-hmm. what I learned through those experiences is I actually do better, <clears throat> excuse me, better with some animal protein in my body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And we, you know, through Institute of Integrated Nutrition, there's the whole bio-individuality. And I really believe that everybody has to kind of figure that out for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, my, like my mom is totally fine being hundred percent plant-based and she has energy and she's like, like bouncy and bubbly and, you know, she does great. But I found for me that I did not have as much energy, um, without some animal protein in my diet, but it's not like the focus of my meals, I just kind of listen to myself. And whenever I'm feeling, you know, low energy or certain times of the month, then I will, um, you know, get what I need. But I just I do focus on making sure it's a clean source.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's important to hear. And it kind of reminds me of something that I heard from Dr. Mark Hyman years ago on his take on animal protein, when he kind of fixes a meal. And he said that if he has it, if he consumes it and enjoys it, it's more of like a condiment than it is like the star of the show. Um, and I think that that, I mean, that was kind of eye opening for me where, um, you know again like i grew up in a place where meat and potatoes like the animal protein was kind of what took up most of the plate with mm-hmm. some like little small sides that were not very nutritious at all but um it, i've kind of always kept that in my mind of you know not trying to get overly restrictive to it like measuring my chicken with the size of my palm or anything yeah. but like kind of knowing that it doesn't necessarily need to be but i'm the same way as you like i feel as if Um, I have attempted pure veganism and realized very quickly that, you know, it was my energy, my sleep, my skin, um, suffered because of it. And, and I think unfortunately people get so caught up in these extreme diets and they don't allow themselves to tap into their individual body and understand that they can, tweak and adjust if they need, um, given the signals that your body is sending you, um, and that you can kind of be a student and look at it as an experiment, if you will. Um, knowing that there are no absolutes. So,
1: and I think in different times of your life, you're going to have different needs. Like I'm pretty active. I mean, my kids are now 10 and eight, but when you've got like little kids, you're running around chasing them. I mean, you're very, active. As you get older, you might be more like mentally active instead of physically. And so it's just kind of whatever feels appropriate. So I think people, like you said, need to be willing to shift and change just depending on how they're feeling and kind of at what point they are in their lives. Mm -hmm.
0: So I also love to talk about kind of like career and life alignment on this podcast, because I think that when you can find that alignment with what you do day in and day out, that has just as much, um, meaning for your overall health than, you know, the nutritious food and the exercise. So I get, a, I don't know if you ever got a lot of questions about attending IIN, the health coach certification program, but I get a lot of questions about it. And so i love to kind of share those stories of the fact of like, okay, so you finished IIN what were you kind of thinking for yourself? Were there doubts, fears, obstacles? How did you overcome them? And then um, I know you said it was kind of a gradual thing to start the meal delivery service, but kind of talk about that time in your life.
1: Mm -hmm. So I did not know what I wanted to do with it. I just knew I wanted to learn more about wellness and nutrition and dietary theories and I just honestly just love the idea of learning it all. But I I kind of saw the only direction initially um, would be to, to work with clients um, and help them. I had some challenges there because I'll be honest, like I didn't feel like I had the knowledge that I fully needed to, to give as much advice as I wanted to. I mean, I knew I could give, Great advice on recipes and how to integrate more um vegetables in your diet and you know, eat the rainbow mm-hmm. and balance, you know, balance your sugar and just like all those kind of things. But if someone um was suffering from, I don't know, certain diseases like, that yeah,
0: and digestive issues and all that stuff. Yes. I felt yeah. the same way. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. Like I just didn't feel like I could give them exactly what they wanted. So yep. It prepared me, like the certification prepared me, but it didn't prepare me. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what led me. I was like, okay, well, I feel really confident about the food nutrition portion of it. So I love cooking. Why don't I just fall into the service? Because um, mm-hmm. that's kind of where I felt the most comfortable.
0: So you mentioned kind of um, moms. What other types of clients do you serve? And then what are some of your meals. I would love to kind of hear exactly about the offerings.
1: Sure. Um, So definitely busy moms. And then I do um, deliver also to retirees, um, you know, folks that might just be husband and wife or, you know, just someone's living by themselves and don't really want to do a lot of cooking. Um, I certainly have my clients want to eat healthy, but a lot of them just do not enjoy necessarily getting in the kitchen and doing Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am helping folks out in that way. Although I do get a lot of people that say, oh, you gave me some inspiration for some things to do in the kitchen. So, you know, my hope is that they do maybe start cooking some on their own as Mm -hmm. well. Um, but, but yeah, those are the, the main people I focus on and I really love being creative with the meals. So I, And I get, sometimes I get a little pushback on it. I like to be like pull from ingredients that are some, you know, mostly mainstream, but then also like, I just made this. So this week for the breakfast offering, I did um, a blue superfood overnight oats, which is made with um, blue spirulina, Mm -hmm. which is an algae.
0: (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Have like, it every day,
1: I don't need to even like mention <laughs> algae because people hear that word and they're like, "That is disgusting. I don't want anything to do with it." But um, it actually ha- is odorless and pretty much tasteless. But mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous blue color. Mm-hmm. Um, so experimenting with foods like that—that that I don't think people would normally um, maybe try to use—but then they are like, "Wait, this actually does taste good, and I can use this in." Cool different ways. And so I, um, but then I do like, I also did um, a grilled honey mustard chicken with um, a crunchy broccoli salad. Mm. And then um, let's see, a black bean um, patty with, I love, so I think I mentioned earlier, I went to, I lived in Honduras for a year and I learned a lot about the local foods down there. So I love pulling from kind of the nostalgia of like places. I've been before. And so like caramelized plantains with a pineapple salsa. Um, So just that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, I have one breakfast offering and one salad jar offering. And then I always have, it's typically a vegan option or vegetarian and then animal protein option. Um, And I'm really hoping to grow that to have more offerings um, Mm -hmm. for the dinners, especially but as of right now, that's kind of all, um, I can handle, but, um, but yeah, and it's a la carte. So you just go into my website and you, there is a minimum amount that you order, but you just choose what you want. I mean, you could get like, you know, eight salad jars if you want to, and, and be done with that, or you can get a couple dinners, a couple breakfasts. And so, um, you just place your order online and that's, I send out the menu on Thursday. And then the deliveries are, um, Tuesday afternoon.
0: So it's, for local folks
1: oh yeah sorry so it's local to Wilmington yeah like I said I was like (laughs) really can I like go I was just about to place my order (laughs) maybe one day but like I said if I even if I did expand I'd really want to continue using um the local ingredients from farmers in the area because I go so like every Saturday morning I go to the farmer's market here and I um pick up whatever veggies are in season. And then like, I've got my chicken farmer. And so um, I've really developed a relationship with them. And like I said, knowing what their farming practices are and, um, and I do, I plan a lot of my menus around what's in season. So like Morgan um, is a farmer that I get most of my vegetables from, and I reach out to him every week and I'm like, okay, you know, what do you have this week? And then, um, a lot of times I'll just tweak my menu depending on what he has available. And then I go pick them up, um, on Saturday morning from him. So that's like a ritual that I have. That's like, honestly, one of my favorite parts of what I do is going Saturday mornings and visiting the farmer's market.
0: Yes. I love that. It sounds so lovely. And I'm also trying to make that a weekend thing for us. Um, and our farmer's market actually got moved from Saturday to Sunday mornings. So, um, I know, but it's what we went last weekend and I was just like, this just, this one little weekend outing kind of sets you up for success. Mm -hmm. And I wanna get more into the concepts of sustainability and local farming and eating seasonably in a bit. Um, But I did wanna ask like, let's say someone didn't have access to your meal delivery service or a meal delivery service like yours where they are, what would be kind of your biggest tips for busy moms, um, or just busy people in general, we're all busy to kind of meal plan, prep, get inspiration for healthy food.
1: Yeah. So just like finding a day that you have a little bit more time than others, maybe like on a Sunday and, you know, batch cooking is always great. Um, I try to batch cook a lot of like roasted veggies because I can use them in so many different ways. So I'm obsessed with roasting sweet potatoes and Mm like juice. And I can use that as like a breakfast bowl with eggs and avocado and greens, or I can use it in a salad jar and pair it with, um, you know, like a fruit and, um, a homemade dressing, or you can use it dinner and pair it with, you know, a clean animal protein and some steamed broccoli and, you know, a salad or whatever. So like, uh, so roasted sweet potatoes, roasted broccoli, um, cauliflower, that kind of thing. Um, I think it's great because again, it's there for you sitting in the fridge whenever you need it and are busy, you can just grab it. Um, and then I think, you know, a batch of oatmeal. Um, my husband loves to do that. He pretty much does that every single week. I really do well with, um, with eggs. I get a lot of energy when I eat eggs for breakfast. So I, um, and one of the offerings that I do a lot on my menu is some little, frittatas which are like crustless quiches um and I love to put like roasted red pepper and um spinach and goat cheese and just like load it up with some veggies and then make them in a batch and then you can just pop in the microwave whenever you're ready to eat it it also goes really well for um a lunch or dinner as well um what else I mean I really like the concept of bowls instead yeah. of like necessarily you know We're so used to eating off plates, but just take what's in the fridge and pop it in a bowl and just create something. And then homemade dressings, which people get kind of intimidated from, but they're really easy to do. I mean, that can make a huge difference if you just drizzle something on top that is a nice little, you know. Topper it has got nice taste.
0: So, yeah, I always say the secrets in the sauce. I think that yeah. when it comes to kind of like the dressing or whatever sauce you want to pair in a bowl like that, I mean, even if you use the same base ingredients, but you kind of switch up the sauces and the dressings, it's just a game changer.
1: It really is. Yeah. And it's not like you're eating the same thing all the time. Like, I mean, it's so important to get variety in your food. And, um, and that's just such an easy way to do it.
0: Yes. Which, um, is one of the, biggest motivations behind eating seasonably um, seasonally. And so before we get to that, though, I'm always been very intrigued by the concept of the salad jar, but I feel like I've never been able to make it. Can you kind of sounds like you're a pro. Can you walk us through what that is and how you make one?
1: I guess in terms like, do you mean like layering and kind of what? Yeah. There? Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, so for one thing, I am a very visual person and I love color, obviously. Mm-hmm. So for me, the salad jar is so fun to make because you see it and it makes you want to eat it because it's mm-hmm. colorful and beautiful. It's all right there in clear glass. So what I always do is start with a homemade dressing. And then if I'm doing something like that might be on the heavier side in terms of weight, like, um, like roasted sweet potatoes or roasted butternut squash, that's going to go next. And then you just think of it as like, whatever's the heaviest and move up. Um, and so like at the end, a lot of times it'll be kind of sprinkled on um, like some pine nuts sprinkled on, and then I'll put my fresh greens at the very top. Um, cause of course you don't want to be pressing down on those cause they can get Yucky and you know, wilted Mm -hmm. if you're doing that. So um, so yeah, then your greens are at the top and you can just pick whatever type of things that you like to put in a salad and just build it, you know, from the base up. Um, and then that way the dressing's on the bottom so that when you flip it over, the greens go down, then the toppings, and then the dressing, you know, naturally just kind of falls on top of everything. Okay. So you pour it into a bowl, right?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then how big is the
1: jar? Oh, so the jar is, um, oh my gosh, I always get confused. It's the like Mason, just the classic Mason jar, not the short one. I use the short one for like overnight oats, but it's, I think it's the quart size.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. Because I was going to say a small Mason jar would be able to like be a, a salad for a mouse or something. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so a big one. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: For sure. and Got that it. And be enough. I mean, sometimes people say they can eat off of it twice, but it just mm-hmm. depends on, how hungry you are. And if you have, like I had mentioned before, if you like had a little side of a frittata with it, like, you know, you can make it last as long as you want to.
0: Yeah. I love that. I'm definitely going to try that this week. Um, all right. So for someone who might not be as familiar with the concept of sustainability and supporting local farms and even eating seasonally, can you explain us a little bit more about that, why it's important and why we should care?
1: Yeah. So, Um, gosh, I'm like, where to start? So single use plastic has just gotten completely out of hand. And I think for us living, so we live about 15 minutes away from the beach. Um, my family, uh, my husband loves to surf. My kids are getting into it. We're always at the beach. We're in the water. Um, and you know, you see more and more of trash and, um, plastic waste and, I think just having that connection I'm just always thinking about ways to try to minimize my my waste and what I can do to help others minimize their waste um so this is kind of like my small contribution to it um I think with COVID like 2020 I just remember like cringing so much because everyone of course was very concerned about the spread of COVID and we're afraid about the surface contamination of things, and so you know everyone's using the, their gloves and getting takeout with single-use containers. And I think that just really skyrocketed. skyrocketed. And um, and just I just hope that now now that we know more about COVID, that people can pull back and start getting back into those more sustainable practices of using reusable containers. And um, one way, like that, I really like to do it is. Um, if you can find a grocery store like Owen Thompson's or others that have like bulk bins where you can go and fill up, like, let's say you're getting quinoa or brown rice, you take your container, um, you may need to weigh it beforehand. So you don't get charged for the cost of it. And then you fill it up and then you eat your food and you come back and you do it again. Um, and just ways that you can help out and, and just really minimize, um, any kind of waste, I mean, taking your own coffee cup to, um, your favorite coffee shop and getting them to fill it up for you. Um, there's just so much trash out there. So, um, so yeah, this is one way that I kind of hope that I'm helping, um, by saving people from not using as many, um, single use plastic containers.
0: Yeah. And do your customers then, are they able to kind of return those containers to yeah. you. Okay. Yeah, so cool. what
1: happens basically I have these red reusable cooler bags. So I drop or my delivery girls that help me out, they drop off the bag with the fresh meals in it. The customer then eats the meals, they place the dishes in their dishwasher and then they put them back into their cooler bag. So the empties are there for when we go back and they order again and we're dropping off their fresh meals, we then take the empties and drop off the fresh ones. Oh, so very cool. Like an exchange where there's really not any waste. I do have like little meal tags um that I include for each one of the um meals. So everybody knows what it is. Um and then I have a list of ingredients and reheating instructions that I also include. But really and, and what's great is people actually, which I love this, I don't even ask, but people will send back the meal tags to me so I can just reuse those and put a fresh sticker on the tag. So anyway, um, it's, it's a good way of trying to cut back on all the way.
0: Absolutely. And it's just those little things. And I think, you know, I will be completely honest where sometimes I'm like, and I'm trying to get much better about it in terms of like all glass containers and, and not, um, and even something that's not sing or that is single use making sure it's recyclable. But Mm -hmm. I think sometimes there can be this mindset that as soon as you throw it in your trash, you just don't really need to worry about it anymore because you don't see where it gets taken. Right. Right. And it's just, um, and you know, we live busy lives and there's only so much time that you can kind of think about those types of things. But, you know, I do think that you can start out with baby steps and just kind of securing the thought that this is something that you need to care about. And, um, Mm -hmm and just little ways like that, that can make a huge difference. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So you, so you mentioned, um, local farming and especially as it pertains to your animal meat. And I, um, this is something that I know I practice, but I like to learn more about the why behind it and why we should care. Cause there's like sometimes where, Like I said, we're trying to get better about going to the farmer's market, but sometimes I am at Whole Foods um, and I know Elwood's does a whole store-wide effort of supporting local farmers. So you don't really even have to put a second thought of it. But like if my husband goes to Fresh Market or something and he just picks up chicken, like there's times where that's not available to us to kind of make sure you get it from a local farmer. So can you talk about the difference there and some of the practices that you, um, have seen with the farmers that you support that makes it different from like conventional meat?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with meat, um, first of all, factory farming, I mean, I think most people know that there are a lot of ugly things that happen with factory farming about animal, the treatment of animals and, um, their, the quality of their lives are, are really terrible. And so I don't know, I feel like kind of sensitive to all that. And yeah. I, you know, although I do eat animal products, I hope that they can at least while they are living can have a better quality of life. So there, um, is a farmer here in town who actually has, um, a mobile chicken coop. Uh And so basically, and I'm not going to do it justice by explaining it, but basically what that means is that the chickens are free roaming and they're out and they're doing their thing and they're pecking and they're pooping. And so that soil right there is getting nutrients from the chickens doing their thing. And Mm -hmm. then he puts them back in the unit and then he rolls the unit, you know, a little bit further down and then they get out again and do their thing. And so they're contributing, I guess, to the quality of the soil that's there. Um, wow. And then they're also, of course, moving around, getting, you know, the activity that a lot of oftentimes chickens don't even really get to move um, in larger productions. So um, the mobile unit is, is really cool. Um, so locally not well pretty close to Richmond I'm you might have heard of like Joel Salatan. have you heard of him no uh uh-uh. okay he's a farmer that really started that concept and my dad and I back like I don't know 10 or 15 years ago went and visited his farm and I was like kind of blown away by just the way that he runs his operation there but anyway he's someone that's like does a really cool job um closer to Richmond, but, um, and then I think just in terms of like growing vegetables, like the, the nutrient quality of the soil is important. So when you're using like um, synthetic substances, like pesticides and things on crops um, you're not like putting nutrients back in the soil. And a lot of the vegetables are getting um, the nutrients from the soil. And so when it's just Mm -hmm. constantly being depleted and it's not being like, um, I'm trying to think of how to describe it just when it's not like being cultivated, I guess, yeah. uh-huh. more like, like a balanced ecosystem, I guess, is right. the way I think about it. Like, so then the food that is being grown is not going to be as nutrient dense. And so then as a result, you're not going to get as much, um, you know, that's beneficial for your body when you're eating it. So, just looking for farmers that really are aware I mean it's like called regenerative practices um, Mm -hmm. when they're growing their crops I mean that's that's huge and I think that's where I mean it's not as easy to do but I'm from what I hear that that's where the newer farmers are trying to move um, if they're you know aware of these kind of things so yeah my hope is that more of that will be happening um And one thing, just a side note too, um, like if food, so a lot of times when you go to the farmer's market, you are not going to see that the, the crops are certified organic. And that is just because it is really expensive to get somebody nationally to come and certify it. Um, and a lot of times these farmers can't, you know, afford that. So you just need to have conversations and ask, you know, what kind of spray, if any, are you using? And just like, Talk to them because a lot of times it pretty much it is organic, but they just can't have that certification because it's too expensive. So that's a good thing to talk to them about.
0: Yeah, and I'm so glad you asked that because that has been even when we went to the farmers market last weekend and I bought some blueberries. And I'm just so used to like if I'm at Elwood's or another store, I'm so used to just like having that label on the pineapple. And when it comes to berries in general. Especially other foods in the dozen, if you will. Like, I'm very picky about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was wondering that at the farmer's market. And I ended up getting the berries anyway because I kind of remembered that whole idea of, and I felt this with gratified as well. When, you know, we would get questions from customers asking why our um, bars and other products weren't certified organic. And I was like, well, because it costs 10 to $12,000 for you to get that certification. And as a very small business, I don't have that type of money to spend. That's not in my budget. So, um, but knowing that majority of my ingredients were organic and, um, and so I think that that is just a really great thing, especially for me to hear and other people to hear is that you can have those conversations. And that's the beauty of shopping locally is because you can actually like put a face to where your food is coming from from mm-hmm. and, you know, ask that information right off the bat.
1: Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you'll go into a certain grocery store and it'll say organic, but when you flip over the package and you see it's coming from like Peru or yeah. New Zealand, like, no, cause that's so far for it to travel and just all the other, you know, damages that that's doing to travel that far to get to you. Um, then of course the, the better option would always be to get the, the local, but just isn't certified organic.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you can taste the difference you guys, like when you, like when we got some fish at the farmer's market last Sunday versus at more of a conventional store, like it just tastes so much more fresh, same thing with the vegetables. And it drives me crazy when you go to a store and it's like, Oh, this fish came from like India. And I'm like, we have the most like amazing, you know, water system, you know, 60 miles away from us. Like it doesn't need mm-hmm. to come from halfway across the world. So um I definitely am in agreement with that um, point. And I want to back up to kind of what you were saying about factory farming versus getting your protein from local farmers. And I'm about to get a little woo. And this is something that I've always kind of wondered, and I didn't know if you had any knowledge or the ability to back this up, but I think it might've been something I learned in iin where it was like and you know how you see on some packages like oh this came from happy cows mm-hmm. like is there anything behind the idea of like in factory farming those cows are more stressed out there's cortisol like more aptly pumping through their body and then that kind of make degrades whether it's the actual meat itself or like the energy of the meat like i've just I've yeah. kind of okay so I mean, I believe that
1: I think like you said, like it's a little woo-woo, but like I I have I guess I've I've experienced this probably and I've talked to people that that like eat a burger that might be, you know, from a factory farm, and then they that night they have like really weird dreams. Um yes. I don't know. I know that's like really out there, but I think there's something and we learned about it at IIM, but like the energetics of food and um Uh I think it just depends on the person, but I mean, I believe in that if some, if an animal's stressed out and is having a, you know, not living a high quality life and is just around constant yeah, stressors, then I think that you can taste that in the food. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think that if, you know, it's coming from a place that has been where the animal has been treated better, that it is ultimately going to taste better in the end.
0: Yeah. Um okay, I've just always wanted to kind of clear the air on that one because it's I, mean, something- I don't
1: know. That's what yeah. I
0: believe. <laughs> okay, cool. I I believe it too. Um all right, so I kind of want to aside from um your meal delivery service but just bring it home to your actual kind of family life. Um and I know you've kind of already talked about some of the things that you do to get inspiration for your meals, but you know, how do you kind of um approach grocery shopping for your family like do you, what about like kind of feeding your kids? Like, I know my son isn't yet 13 months, but I'm already well aware that he's going to be picky and yeah. I'm like pulling my hair out on like how, because I mean, feeding my husband and I, you know, that was one thing. But then when you bring kids in and it's just like, who has time for this? I don't understand. So can you kind of like walk us through your tips and tricks for kind of staying healthy um, and feeding your family on a weekly basis?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to have grace for yourself and not put too much pres- pressure on yourself because I have fairly picky children, and I think with my first, I was like from day one, like he's going to be eating vegetables all the time, yep. like all the colors of the rainbow. We're going to have no sugar and it and then I was like, what? Like, no, I can't, I can't have these hard like boundaries around it or or he's not gonna be able to go to birthday parties and Mm -hmm. like be able to like enjoy life. So I think that you really have to try to find a balance between it all with, with us. I always try to expose my kids to, to different types of foods. And I always try to have like a fruit or veggie, I mean, without a doubt on their plate, but then Yeah. They're going to be like veggie straws, like the, you know, some chips on there too. And like we, my daughter loves a hamburger. And so I definitely try to source it as often as I can from a good place. But sometimes we just go out to eat and she just gets the burger and she, you know, she'll, if she can have that and some fruit or veggie with it, then I call that a win. And Mm -hmm. I think, like I said, you just can't be too strict or, I don't know. I think there can be a place where eventually children can rebel. And then down the road, they're like going to go the opposite direction of trying to eat healthy. And I think that, I mean, I get a lot of people asking me how to better like feed their children. And um, I'll be honest, like I, I am not an expert. My kids, people seem to think that my kids like just eat quinoa and beans and they certainly do not. So you have to find the right balance. But I think the like just constantly trying to expose them to new foods, get them involved, get them involved with grocery shopping, have them, um, picking out, especially like when they're little, like your son's age, having them like pick up an avocado and like, feel like the texture of it and a grapefruit and like just how they can get, um, closer to the food and where it comes from. Um, I think that's like the best thing you can be doing.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel as if, part of his pickiness is definitely attributed to the texture aversion thing. Like the other day I put a strawberry on his high chair. He stuck his finger in it, then stuck his tongue out and then threw it on the floor. (laughs) And I I was like, okay, so I'm going to call that a fail, but I'm going to keep doing it. And I remember I interviewed Pamela Salzman. She is a, um, like a holistic food chef. And we were kind of talking about the same kind of thing. And she was discussing her son's ultimate pickiness. And she was like, but then I realized that he really liked corn tortillas. And so it was like, whatever I could put in the corn tortilla, ah, that's a good he idea. would eat. Yeah. but it like okay. had to be. For... So I'm realizing like Mason really loves smoothies and pouches and like little else. So if I get his nutrition in those two things, and then like last night he had some chicken fingers, people are like, Oh, can he have that? I'm like, Absolutely. Like I feel as if he's getting nutrition in other places and I'm going to order him a grilled cheese and French fries. If I'm at the pool, because that's just going to be our, like our 20% in our 80, 20 mindset. Yeah. So I think, yeah, having grace for yourself and just finding those little strategies per your particular children Mm -hmm. can be helpful.
1: Yes. Yeah. We do a lot of, like you said, with smoothies, like I name the smoothies. So right now we have like a mermaid smoothie and then we have like a Batman smoothie, Superman. smoothie. I love that. I mean, my son's kind of growing out of that, but like for a long time, I was like, who wants a Superman smoothie? And so just like kind of almost marketing it to mm-hmm. the child, like, we'll make it more appealing, you know, with broccoli, like you want some trees and like just stuff like that, you know, you come up with silly names and if it works, then you just, you do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So a few more questions. I want to respect your time, but um, I would love to know kind of everything we've talked about with sustainability and nutritious food, what changes in our food industry and environment would you love to see kind of in more of the near future?
1: Um, I love this question. Um, Let's see. I think that, I mean, I would love to see, first of all, people shopping more at their local farmer's market. Um, You know, when you shop from the farmer, you're taking out the middleman, you're putting more money back in his pocket. Farmers do not get paid enough money in general. And so um, if you're kind of taking that food distributor out, um, then you're getting more money back to him and then ultimately to the community. So making your community stronger. Um, I would really love though to see a way, and I don't know exactly what the answer is to this, but I'm, I would really love for like mainstream grocery stores to like start having bulk bins and like just ways that you can take refillable, reusable containers and just get out all of the, the marketing and the plastic that you're paying for, all the packaging that you're paying for. Yeah. Um, Cause it's so much cheaper and you can get like the exact amount that you want. Like if you don't use much, like, let's say you want some cacao or like cocoa powder. Um, but you only need a certain amount instead of buying like some huge bag that you're not maybe going to use all of, like you can buy just the amount you want. And so anyway, I would love to see like more bulk bins, um, and ways for people to use reusable containers. Um, and then also just like what we had talked about earlier with um, like conventional farming, I would love to see farmers trying to um, adapt to the more like regenerative practices and helping like balance the soil's ecosystem and, and moving away from like some synthetic substances um, and just trying to be more aware of that and not just as focused on like how much money they're making and more like the quality of the food that they're growing. And and that's going to help people ultimately.
0: Yeah. I love that. And when you talk about kind of the bulk bins, I know you mentioned something just so that people can be clear if they want to start, um, that practice in their own life. So you mentioned kind of making sure you weighed the jar or the container first. Can you do that at the store? Is that something you need to do before you leave? Okay. You can do that. Yeah. You can
1: just take it to the um, customer service desk and they'll do it for you. There might, I mean, you could also just go, there should be a scale right there. And so you can just weigh just the empty jar or container and then take a sticker and write that weight on there. So then that way, when they go at the cash register, when you go to pay for it, they'll see that sticker and they'll know what to subtract so that you're not paying for the container itself.
0: Okay. That's so cool. Definitely want to start doing more of that. And, you know, even I love at Elwoods now that um even if you don't actually have your own container, their bags that you put it in are recyclable. Like it's not like those like plastic bags or whatever. So um definitely even and that also, is a step like, above.
1: One thing, sorry to interrupt you. Um yeah. I wanted to think one thing that I'm really trying to work on. Um, So like laundry detergent, I feel like those plastic containers are just so terrible for the environment. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you can take those and get them refilled as well. Not everywhere, but just like, you know, some places can do that and trying out alternatives. So I literally just ordered a couple of days ago, like they're called laundry strips. Have you heard of these? No, but I'll put it in the show notes. What is it? Well, there it's detergent, and it I think it comes in a strip. And you, I think it like kind of disintegrates in the washing machine. So it acts as a soap, but it comes in like a, car, a small cardboard box and it's a strip. So there's very, very little waste. Um, because that's what I'm personally trying to, you know, carry over the practices I have in my business and try to do more of it at home. And so, like, really trying to get rid of a lot of the plaques stick. Like I, I just bought a shampoo bar. Have you heard of that?
0: Yes, I have. And we even have an oh. article on healthified magazine about that. And that was oh, you the first do? time.
1: Yeah. That was the first time I've heard about
0: it, but, um, what did I, you think of them? um, so I haven't used one myself, okay.
1: okay. but,
0: um, I do now just use like when it comes to body soap, I literally just use the the actual bar of soap. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That I get at Elwoods. So, um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to look into the shampoo soap. So how was your experience?
1: So it was great. Like you just take it and rub it on your hair and you do like work up a little lather. It's not, I mean, it's different, Uh but I mean, so far it smelled amazing. Um, do you feel as if your hair gets clean enough? I think that's my thing. Yeah, I think so. I feel like it is
0: not that I should really care. Anyway, before we hopped on here, it's like dry shampoo. And then, I mean, I'm like,
1: <laughs> right. I'm out. I'm out. How many times
0: <laughs> I wash my hair in a week. I couldn't really tell you.
1: Well, it's good so, for you. I know I'm actually trying not yeah. to wash it like every single day. It's better to do it only a couple mm-hmm. days a week, but, um, yeah. but just little changes like that. I'm, I'm reading this book right now called, um, don't be trashy. And it gives you like each month you kind of take on a new, um, a new change, like, I love that. Yeah. Like if you want to, you know, try the laundry detergent that comes in strips instead of the big plastic bottle, um, you try that one month and kind of, you know, tweak it to see how that works. And then the next month you could try the bar of soap for your hair. And then the next month you could try, I mean, like I don't know, reusable, like the razors that are not disposable razors and just getting the blades. And I don't Mm -hmm. know, there's so many, there's like this whole world out there that I'm really excited to just dive more into and learn more about where, I mean, there's, there's just so many other things that I could be doing better in my house. So, um, so that's kind of like where my energies are right now at home. So
0: Yeah. That's cool. And I told myself I was going to kind of start that process because it can be really overwhelming if you think about it. And so I love the idea of that book of just taking it kind of small month by month. And, you know, and even for me, I don't know if you've heard of Boketo wellness. It's kind of Mm -hmm. like a, um, it's in the fan here. It's very close to my house, but they kind of, um, describe themselves as this like modern apothecary and they carry different, um, products that i imagine are right in line with the things that you're talking about so i think that if you have some place probably more common in bigger cities than smaller towns but if you have some place like that that you could just walk in and kind of explore and see what's even out there that i imagine upholds really high quality standards then that could be a really good tactic as well
1: Oh, yes. I'm actually coming to Richmond this weekend. So I'm going to go there. Fun.
0: You should. And let me know because it's literally two
1: blocks away from me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited to know about that.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. So a couple more questions. Um, so aside from food nutrition, I know you just talked about, about like the clean product side of things, but what are some other healthy habits that you live by, you know, across other areas of holistic health, like movement, stress management, sleep, mm-hmm. stuff like that.
1: So, um, movement and spirituality, um, I love yoga and I practice meditation, uh, I try on a daily basis, but it definitely does not always happen. Um, Mm -hmm. but I am a certified yoga instructor, although I have never actually taught a class and I actually don't really plan to maybe one day, but Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I, um, I just, I love I love yoga. It makes such a difference in my life personally. I, um, for the spiritual side, and then I also suffer for, from some lower back pain. Mm -hmm. So it really helps, um, certain stretches and poses just really help alleviate that pain for me, especially after, I mean, I work for like 10 hours every Monday I'm on my feet cooking. And so it's so important that I have those rituals and practices in place. Otherwise I just, you know, get pretty, I'm in a lot of pain. So, um, So yeah, um, those, those are really important practices to me. How often do you practice yoga? Um, well, I, every morning, um, when I meditate, I just do some stretches and some salutations. I don't really, um, get to as many classes as I would love to get to more, but especially in the summertime, I just can't with the kids and all that. Um, but I will do like a Zoom class from time to time. Or um, Aloe Yoga has some really great classes that my husband and I enjoy doing. Oh, good um, to know. Yeah, have you heard of Aloe? Um, the, is I've heard of like the yoga pants. Aloe yeah, was at the it's same, same thing? Okay, company, and they have um this big like thousands of different classes that you can choose from, and they're yoga and Pilates. It's mainly yoga, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's really good, um, to check out. And that's something that we got into a lot, like right when COVID hit just too much else. But, um, but yeah, so those are, are pretty key to my, um, my daily, you know, getting through things.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yoga is such a, um, important part of my life too, but you're so right. I don't get to as many classes and, for some reason, I have oh, so much resistance to doing yoga upstairs in my messy home office. And I just like, <laughs> love, and that was what was so hard with the pandemic was because like, when I practice, I love to be in a room with other human beings and like having those hands-on adjustments. And that was really tough. And I feel as if, unfortunately, I've kind of gotten out of my practice these days, but you're inspiring me to get back into it. Um, totally. so my, before I ask my final question, where can people find you?
1: Oh, just, uh, Weezy's colorful kitchen, which is my website. And then also my Instagram. Um, and yeah, you can email me at uh Weezy at Weezy's colorful kitchen. <laughs> I
0: love it. Well, everyone go check that out. Um, even if you're not in local Wilmington, you can still get some good, healthy food inspiration and colorful food is just, you know, as more that you can put color on your plate, the better off you will be. I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, all right. So my final question is if you could stand on a platform and communicate your message in one to three sentences, what would you say?
1: Um, so this is pretty like straightforward, kind of like Michael Pollan, but I would say eat local, eat the rainbow for nutrient dense foods and minimize waste. Mm, I love that. So so
0: straightforward and to the point, but yet so powerful. Well, thank you, Weezy. This has been such a great conversation. I knew it would be, and I'm just so excited we finally got to connect. Yes, same. Um, I know that so many people listening have picked up on your nuggets of wisdom and will definitely walk away with ways that they can kind of do all of the things that you just said and more. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people for further learning. Be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes, and you can connect with us on Instagram at healthified and at gratified until next time.